All right, so let's pray. <sighs> Father, Mother, God, Holy Spirit, I am that I am. We are so grateful to join together and to join with you. Grateful for this opportunity to lovingly support one another, to hold a loving space, to allow insight to come through us and to come for us. We are so blessed to have this loving community, this time to reflect on our lives, what we're learning, what, what's in our awareness. It's such an act of love to shine the light on ourselves, both in form and our higher selves. So we just stay open, we listen, we allow, and we remain in joyful thanks for this time together. We share the benefits and the blessings and the learning with everyone as we are one. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Yay, Rico, you found us. Good. Good. Wonderful. So I'll just share my screen and we can review the question for the today. So I had I went back in the archives because last week was a community call, so it's lots of fun. I just get to scour all the topics and pick something we haven't done yet. So I went back a little ways and I remember this class. So let's take a look together. And this was the class on choosing enlightenment. And so today we can discuss the following. Where are you in terms of awakening enlightenment? How does it feel to you to claim that for yourself? Have you already claimed it? Do you feel comfortable claiming it? Where are you with it? And how does it feel to you to have a conversation about it? So, enlightenment, where are you? <laughs> and what comes to mind and what would you like to share? So we'll just stay right here together and as a small group. And um, if anybody would like to start us off, wonderful. This is the opposite of small talk, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is not necessarily yeah. what comes up, but it's amazing. I love it. So. Yeah, I just re I remember this class because I remember Jennifer saying that she used the affirmation, I am claiming my awakening. And I have been using that affirmation. I don't, I don't know if you believe it yet. <laughs> but But I am... I am claiming my awakening. It doesn't always feel comfortable saying that. Not sure why yet, but mm. I think sometimes I just feel more worthy of it, more <coughs> saying it. Yeah. What does awakening mean to you, Linda? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> um, I think awakening means for me fully accepting every part of myself, 
of my experience, um, past, present, and to come. Uh, it means uh, to me a complete surrender to whatever is to be without having attachments for what it's supposed to look like or not look like. Um, and just being as open-hearted and loving to myself and everyone around me as I can. I was listening to you, Linda, and uh, the thought that came to me was, you already are that. Mm -hmm. And I, um, yeah, because I've been reading some texts that have like a kind of a Buddhist view perspective on enlightenment and it talks about how there is no enlightenment and everybody's already enlightened and um all those things and about how time is illusion and it's like so much to wrap my mind around but if we were to go by like moment by moment and if what a Course in Miracles says is true and we can only be in love or 100% in love or 100% in fear at any given moment. When we're choosing love, aren't we really like, are we awake in that moment in a sense? Like maybe you're not, um, you know, healing the sick and raising the dead, but like you, um, like you were saying, Linda, we're like, we're like awake to that, like fully accepting who we are, who everyone else is, um, feeling that connection, that joining the oneness, um, feeling gratitude, like all those things that come, like that happen when we choose love, like isn't, maybe we could say that those are like awakenings. Maybe there are small awakenings, but um, so I was thinking of, um, this idea that yes, maybe in the illusion of time and space where we're journeying towards that goal of enlightenment, where we're in that state all the time, like constantly. Um, but the flip side of the coin is if time is an illusion and we're technically already awake, then every moment has the potential for enlightenment in a way, like being enlightened to our truth or uh, to love or to, uh, to um, who my brother or sister really is. And I kind of like thinking it about it that way, that it's not some um, very intimidating lofty goal at the end, like way at the end of this path, but it's something that, um, that could kind of surprise me or I could stumble upon like any given moment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love that reminder that it's not a goal or a destination. Thank you for that. 
Thank you, Lyndon Rieckel, for your shares. And, and I like to think that way as well, that we truly are already enlightened. Um, and I feel like if, um, for me, that I still have some blocks to release, and that's what's preventing me. Um, but like yesterday, I just had this example, or a couple of days ago, I was actually working, and I was walking to my car. And as I was walking, I was in my mind, like, oh, I've got this to do, and I've got that to do, and these bags that I'm carrying are heavy, and there's just this, all this stuff going on in my mind, and then I just stopped for a minute, and I, and I could hear this, like, just stop, Diane, for a second, and I just looked around me, and the sun was out, and it was, like, the perfect temperature, not too hot, not too cold, there was this beautiful breeze in the air, and when I actually looked up and looked out, there's the Pacific Ocean right there. So, like, just for that moment in time, looking back on that, I would think, yeah, that was for me enlightenment because I was truly in the moment. I had I'd gotten this prompt, like, hold on, Diane, for a minute. So I'd gotten this prompt to just, like, stop feel the moment, look around. So I felt like I was 100% in that moment. My bags were no longer heavy. I wasn't thinking about where I was going or what I'd come from. And and so for me, if I can, like, I would like that moment in in my perfect world, that moment to be my next moment and my next moment and my next moment. Um, now, that didn't happen to me that day, but I still, during the day, got these kind of prompts, like, and they're not harsh prompts. They're just like, well, just hang on a second, you know, and I realized, yes, um, there's another choice. And I think last year I was more going for this goal, and I think I kind of got myself into trouble um, with that perspective in that I I those of you that are in class with me know I came down with a really bad case of pneumonia after Christmas. And I think I just kind of got so revved into working hard that this incident happened. Um, whereas now I'm feeling like this morning when I was writing, I was writing that I wanted to be more vigilant with my thoughts so that I can hear that more clearly when that voice is like, just a sec, Diane, hang on here. And then I said, I don't just want to be vigilant with my thoughts. I want to be gently vigilant with my thoughts. So I'm kind of always coming back to a more gentle approach for myself because I have that contrast from last year being a little bit more gung-ho and I feel like i sort of brought something on to myself that wasn't particularly, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was helpful in healing, uh, but I don't know whether it truly needed to be as hard at, as, as it was. So uh, for me, the gentleness is becoming everything. Thank you. Oh, I relate so much to that gentleness, Diane. Thank you. And because it's such a different experience to be vigilant, like as if there's some danger lurking around in our thoughts that if we don't catch it, it's going to do something terrible to us. 
than to just have this very, um, like you said, gentle, compassionate awareness of what are my thoughts doing right now kind of a way. That's, I like that so much better. Well, I'll share that um, what I think, uh, if what's, I don't know what the question says exactly. Um, there's some part I was thinking. Um, I feel like uh, part of what might prevent me from saying that or claiming um, I'm going for my awakening is that I to some extent have still attachment to being human being. Like I'm not that sad about it. (laughs) I mean, I think I've got to this point where being human and um, is okay with me. And so I think that will almost be funny because again, if it's semantics or something about what it means to be enlightened, because none of us have decided to agree on a definition uh, that uh, it doesn't feel like I have to aim for that because I don't want to have any connotation that I'm not satisfied with myself <laughs> as me. Um, just that it's exhilarating to have, like everyone, like people are sharing, to have the awareness of my choices in the moment. And that's so fun. And uh, just a small example today. Um, my husband just, he did this, he was like, I'll be back right at nine twenty in the morning. So he, did, he, he was doing this, myster- it feels like he's trying to be mysterious. Like, I'm not going to say what I'm doing. Um, and I don't want to like, I'm kind I'll be back. The mask. I don't know. So I, and I said though, okay, because today was exciting. I bought a Vitamix from this lady in a parking lot, you know, and I was like, I'm meeting this lady in a parking lot and I need to get cash first. So anyway, his mysterious thing, I'm like, okay. And he's kind of like just trying to get out the door without saying anything. So I'm like, all right, I have to be gone by, by, I need to leave by 9.50, whatever you're up to. Is it, how long is it or whatever? And he didn't, I don't know, he didn't answer me really. And then I called, I was being a little weird where I was like, I need to hear from you. You're going to be back by 9.50 and he didn't want to confirm anything. So I decided, okay, I think I'll walk. But the thing is, I'm like, I can't carry a Vitamix home like, And I don't know how this is going to work out, but I decided to say, and I'm texting him because I called him and then he kind of hung up on me. He's like, I said, I'd be just, it wasn't going well. And I decided, okay, uh, I'm going to walk and I'll tell him I'm there and maybe he can pick me up there. Cause I don't know. And I'm kind of taking a chance, but the whole point is there were so many 
uh, little traps that I could have fallen into. Like, what is he doing? And I have an idea what he's doing. I, I have an idea. So he didn't want to say it, or maybe, and I could be wrong. And I'm okay. I'm okay to just let it be like completely unknown. But like, there were traps along the way to be annoyed with him, to have to know something. And then I say I'm going to walk, and I notice that I'm being, like, flippant, kind of. Like, oh, well, you're not going to be confirming anything? I'll walk. And he gets, like, nervous when I say stuff like that because he, I think he feels like, you shouldn't be walking, which I should, you know, in a way. Um, so the whole thing is, as I walked, I, the last text I had said is, I'll just walk. And then as I walked, I added a couple texts like, I'd like to walk. And if you could meet me at this place, you could help me take everything home. And that's what he did. And it all like was smooth in the end. But like, this is what I'm saying about awakening to <laughs> in an older time, I, I can even see how it could have played out differently. Just all the meaning I can make and all the ways I can attack or defend or all those things. And I just didn't really engage, even though I kind of didn't act perfectly, whatever. And so this is what I'm saying is I'm grateful that this is what's happening for us that are interested to end the war of attack and to be free of it and to be free. And, um, there are things that I recently put into like a God box that feel like things as a human being, I feel overwhelmed by. And I'm just kind of trying to have a way of representing that I'm giving those things over. I'm allowing those things to come to me as a healing. And I don't think I have a different game plan for awakening. I think this is my game plan. Think this is it. Um, and I think if I'm really a joyful human being, I'm doing a lot for the planet. Like two feet on the ground, going to the grocery store, kind, doing life kindly and doing what I love and what calls to me and speaks to me. And that's, so that's where I'm not sure if that would be perceived as um, a block or a distraction, because to me it feels like the way. So thanks for all your head nods. I just think about how much time you saved, Angela, by, you know, noticing those, uh, I forget what you call them, not triggers, but points or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, like noticing those and and um, I guess one of like, I think that's awesome. One of my questions is, do you feel that um, that, that was kind of like a smooth process? Or did you, when, when those incidences came up, did you, were you conscious like, oh, uh, I could make this choice or that choice? Like, you did refer to them as traps, right? So, and it's just for my own learning because um, I, I, for me, it's not so automatic yet. Like I'm, I'm really having to focus on making the the choice that I want to make. Whereas when I'm hearing your story, for me, it sounds quite smooth and quite joyful. 
it, the, the chaps are not very attractive anymore. I see them there, but they used to have a pull because there was a need to know. And I had used to energize that and justify that. And I dropped that, uh, invest. I don't know. I've needed to know less and less that I can see where it's like, I get a, um, it's like, it comes back to me that, Oh, I remember needing to know. Mm. <laughs> and this is an example of when in the past I would have needed to know it, it could have upset my whole morning actually. Um, because I think he went to send money to Malawi. And for some of that, it's like some of that has a history or more of a story to it that there's like some secret kind of life that he leads that I think I'm aware of. But it's like, honestly, none of it is really tempting me to choose. So in the moment, uh, in this particular day, I didn't feel it was a really strong pull. I just saw it like a choice, and it, it wasn't very strong. Other days, things are feel stronger, uh, more charged or something, and it's hard for me not to choose them. Uh, but in this day, it just and I swear being pregnant has helped a ton. I don't know if it's true, but it feels that way that I'm like, okay. All right, I'm going to walk. Um, walking's good. Like, I kind of feel like more relaxed in general that I don't get as emotional. So. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> that's, that's the attitude. Yeah. <laughs> that I absolutely feel that it's funny because it reminds me too of um and I can't remember which one because I've read several uh one of Pima children's books where she says you know to to be a bodhisattva that you don't have to be like this monk on the top of a mountain all by yourself you can be the bodhisattva uh, wife or the bodhisattva mother or the bodhisattva grocery store attendant or whatever, you know, just where you're being as kind and aware as you possibly can, where you're just making those loving choices one right after another. And it's, I'm, chuckling to myself as we're talking about this because um, I really didn't have an inkling that I was going to join this today. <laughs> and, um, but something told me to, to get on here and my, um, I re recalling now a um, lecture that my parents gave in Pittsburgh where they were talking about an experience that they used to have um when I was in my teens where the two of them would meditate together and they would get these downloads and they would take turns giving or dictating the download and writing it out. And the energy that was coming through them, they called it Hurlum, H-I-R-L-E-M or H-I-R-L-U-M. 
um, like it was a being that they were hearing from, an angel or something. And I can remember my father talking about how um, he was the one that was channeling Herlem at this one session they were doing together. And he's talking about it and he's saying how he's, um, Herlem is speaking through him the answer to a question that he gave. And he said, my father says, I was resisting saying the word enlightenment. And I would like travel all around that word, um, you know, saying atonement or awakening or whatever, but it would not say the word enlightenment. And as soon as he finished the sentence out of his mouth came enlightenment. <laughs> the word enlightenment. So it just it makes me crack up because it's just one of those little taps on the shoulder that I get that tells me that my dad's still around. So thank you for this topic. <laughs> I really appreciate it. How cool that your parents were meditating together. Yeah. Yeah. When I was 12, they took us out of uh, Catholic church because because my mother's car was hit in the parking lot when she was dropping us off at CCD. And she wanted to put something on the bulletin because whoever hit her car took off. And they said to her, they would not allow her to put it on the bulletin because one of their parishioners would never do that. And she said to them, well, I'm one of your parishioners. <laughs> Um, so they pulled us out of Catholic church. Obviously they were not that attached to it. And, and we just started going to like all these different churches and, um, we ended up at a unity church, but we also, um, went and saw the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and Ramdas and, um, learned how to do transcendental meditation. And it was really cool. It was uh, a lot of fun around that time. Yep. That was my dad's midlife crisis. It was the best midlife crisis ever. So I guess I feel pretty comfortable claiming my awakening and enlightenment. And I enjoy having the conversation. Because I think like Rieko says, it helps me to realize that we're already there. Yeah. For me, what comes to mind is that when I read, because like A Course in Miracles has all these beautiful things. I'm I'm doing the lessons now and today I'm surrounded by the love of God. And some of that, some of that writing seems familiar, you know, and so that to me is an indication that, yeah, I, I am already there. I just, you know 
haven't fully developed into it yet. And I know also that resistance is hell. <laughs> and anytime I resist anything, I can feel it in my body. I can, you know, I, I, I have learned to be aware of when I'm resisting something and I am more and more um, able to get away from it quickly by just allowing. And um, yeah, and even though sometimes I seem to be learning in pain, through pain, like what happened to me with um, that I, I shared with Linda's group on the um, ACIM circle that, yeah, I learned something through pain, but at the same time, I really got it. You know, once I got it, I got it. And I'm like, I know I'm not going there again, <laughs> you know. And and I'm learning. I actually got this book from the, um, it's called Love from Heaven. And it's practicing self-compassion and compassion for others. And it's about the angels, you know, from Lorna Byrne. And it's so beautiful. And it talks about that that which we really are from the beginning when we are born we are already just pure love and we and that was the word i had a resistance with i am pure love <laughs> i was given that little card and i kind of like resisted it but now my heart is open and i'm welcoming that and i'm seeing more and more and allowing more and more and to me that feels like awakening because it's like I'm opening up to more light and more love in my life and it feels good. And if someone else is not doing it, it's okay too. And that's also big, you know, because I used to try to be helping somebody try to see or whatever. And I would just bring more conflict into my life. So, so I'm just enjoying the slow and gradual awakening. Thank you. I was thinking that um, I feel a room for growth for me, though, is still really seeing the oneness like faster and um, like, you know, my example before was like choosing to attack or not in my mind, whatever. But last night in my Kundalini class, like I had two people leave in the middle because we, we were doing something kind of strange. I totally understand. And I, I'm trying not to project my uh, insecurity that this is weird stuff, but I know it works. But just, like, get over the weird part because it works really well. Um, but literally we had in this exercise set, the students had to bend over, hit the floor seven times saying, HUD, 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 seven times. And then stand up and clap overhead, hurry, and say hurry. So we were supposed to do that for six minutes. Now, minute one, two people left. So I was like, oh, dear. We, and I'm gauging it. And, like, and, I'm, and I'm navigating these moments where it's happening throughout my days where it feels like it seems like people are agreeing with me or not agreeing with me or, or approving of what I'm doing or like not getting me or, and I'm, I feel like if, if 
that's what I'd like to kind of intend upon is like, it is being understanding to myself. Like that's not so fun to, but I, I just tried not to make meaning out of it. And, um, but I was really kind of mulling it over for a while because it bothered me. So there was something there about it. So I think to me in my path, this is really important. This is really important. It's just how I perceive other people, their behavior or not. I don't know. It just seems so really, really important. And this is you know, my practice and I'm working on it, but, uh, that seems to be really up for me. That just came to me. Sounds like good practice for motherhood. Yeah. <laughs> so what came to me was like the expectations that I've had of other people, especially my son, like the dreams I held for him that, uh, completely different than what his, um, life experience is turning out to be, but he's still incredibly happy and healthy and compassionate and intelligent, um, it's just not what we envisioned for him. You know, we have this vision of uh, because he was so good at music that he would go to college and he would become a music teacher and, you know, get married and start a family. You know, all those conventional American dreams. And um, he dropped out of college after his first semester and, um, you know, now he's working at a grocery store for eight years, but he's going to school now for heating and air conditioning to eventually start his own business, and he loves it. And he's dating a woman that's divorced and has three children. He has no desire to have his own kids. You know, so, like, all of the things that I thought <laughs> were lined up, uh, my expectations totally not how I thought they would be. But gratefully through these classes and and even a little bit before, I'm totally like, dude, I know I have these dreams for you, but <laughs> What you're doing is so much better and so much more fun and so much more like beyond what I could have dreamed for you. You know, I was just Ozzy and Harrieting it. <laughs> you could use Ozzy and Harriet as a verb <laughs> the whole way. So go for it. Yeah. And I, that sounds like that's what you're doing is you're getting that practice before the the child is here and you have all your dreams and expectations for her.
I just want to say that your son, could be my son, it's exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing, minus the girlfriend, because he has his guitar as his girlfriend. And, but none of, oh, everything else you said, that's Jamal. <laughs> Or being the bodhisattva of parenthood. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, my husband still can't, my husband still really has a hard time communicating with him because he's wasting his life according to him, you know, and he's not seeing a future for him. So he still has that baggage, but I have no problem talking to him myself. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm the one who always initiates the call because to him, he doesn't care about calling anybody. If you want him, you know his number, you can call him and you know, he'll, he'll answer and he'll be glad to talk to me. And he always says, and give that a hug for me. That's always how he ends his conversations. And, and because I learned so much through my first son about being, trying to be in the middle and trying to, oh God, that, that is the worst thing ever. So now I really learned, like I said, I learned through pain for whatever reason I chose to learn through pain. But now I'm totally okay with him the way he is with my husband the way he is, and I don't feel that I need to do anything but just live and let live. And I think that that's a grace because I could not have attained that by myself. So I'm very grateful for that. Thank you, Corinne, for your sharing. I really um, appreciate your comment about it being grace and not being able to do it on your own. And I, that that's such an important statement for me because I feel like, yeah, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit that is working through us. But this community is so important to me that I feel like <clears throat> I absolutely could not be making any headway if I was trying to do this on my own, reading books and that kind of thing. I think it's, for me, it's hearing everybody share. Um, and I can relate always to everything everybody says. And so I think it's that relating <clears throat> that um, that is really helping me to, to heal. And um, when, when you were sharing, Angela, about your experience with the teaching yoga, <clears throat> I worked um, a couple of days this week, and I realized that those two days, I was kind of developing, and I, I did start labeling it afterwards, I realized it was almost like a paranoia thought pattern of, um, Am, am I doing this okay now? You know, I've been a nurse for over 40 years. Of course I'm doing it okay. But it, I'm, I'm um, basically doing somebody else's role for a couple of days, you know, doing vacation relief. And so I started having all of these, like, paranoid thoughts of, oh, I wonder if she's going to think that was really stupid what I did, or I wonder if she's going to be upset when she gets back that I did that. And so after doing those two days of vacation relief, I was just like into paranoia, like, oh, my God, you know, 
like, what if I go back to work and they say, oh, Diane, you did this terrible job. And I actually had to talk myself out of it to start like labeling it. That is paranoia. And you just have to stop that and talk myself into, you know, you did a great job. You know, what a great job that you did. And it was just sort of interesting that um, now that I'm only doing two days a week, it's only coming up twice a week instead of like five days a week of second guessing myself all the time. And, and it's just that obviously it's still coming up for healing, but it's this acute insecurity that kind of borders on paranoia. And like, if, if I had your experience, Angela, I'd probably be like calling them the next day saying, can you tell me what happened? Like, so it was just kind of interesting to observe it, be a part of it and observe it and really pick it up this time that these are thoughts of paranoia. These are not like self-loving. They're not nurturing. They're, these thoughts are not going to help me. Um, and so I was able to turn it around rather than let it um, kind of take over. But it was the first time really that, and that might sound harsh, but I kind of labeled it as paranoia because that's what it sounded like to me. Like some, like somebody's imagining things that truly aren't there. And just say somebody picked me up on something and said, oh, Diana, I wish you'd done this differently. I could just say, oh, okay, you know, maybe next time I'll do it your way. That, that'll be, you know, fine or whatever. I don't need to take that as a... Um, <laughs> you know, thing to beat myself up. So anyway, thanks for your share, Angela. It, it kind of brought me back to what happened to me when I was, you know, trying to work as a professional. <laughs> Thank God we can we can still laugh at it. That's always the good sign, you know. Because me too, I was like, yo, I, I, uh, and I made a joke immediately after I didn't do that thing for six minutes. And it's like, I might have broken the Kundalini law of following the minutes you're supposed to. But I was like, look, we're doing our best here. And I said, awesome, you guys, you finished it. We only lost two in the background, guys, okay? like during the class. Just made a joke and just didn't act like, it didn't crush me. It just, it just was one of those things, which is feels like a recurring thing where I'm stepping up and doing something. I'm getting reactions or it appears that there are like these outer, they don't have to be called critics, but they're like taking it or leaving it. And it's like, I think it's just, that space where we would go to the place where we would think we did something like, why would I blame myself? You know, but so it's just like, I hear that in you, Diane, it's like just wanting to break down that I would start attacking myself for any reason. There's no reason for that. It happens if I'm not monitoring myself and then, um, it might have been a coping mechanism for me to be kind of like lighthearted and but I, I just kind of think it's helpful for me to say that 
you know, that's something I am going through as I'm literally considering not vaccinating my child and just things like that, like really just, I don't have to make big stories about it. I didn't make any decision yet, but like, if you asked me today, I'd be like, no, I don't want those. Like, cause that's my first answer. But that is just the beginning of these kinds of things where this is me and you get to be you, I be me, but we're one. So this is the thing. It's my own internal insecurity that would probably show up as a critic. But I don't want to try to solve the problem because that's not the way to do it. Just maybe just to pray to, um, it is the gentleness and feeling, um, just asking spirit, what, what's mine to get from this? What can I learn from this? Because you can't outsmart your <laughs> internal saboteur. I don't want to intellectually wrestle it. So, thank you. <laughs> What, what you two just shared sounds just like awakening to me. To me, that's awakening, you know, that awareness. It feels like the ego just really enjoys taking things so personally and twisting them around in our heads, doesn't it? And I still like reiko the word you used, like um, like the that the ego is kind of like confused, just like confused. Because I don't even like to make it into that really smart little <laughs> whippersnapper. I'm like, okay, you're confused. <laughs> you're confused. You should, you know, that's a confused, unhealth, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, confused and scared. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know people in the world who are, you know, you can see that embodiment of confusion and fear, how it can come out so many ways, like angry or bossy or, but underneath, it's just like kind of more, I don't know if the word is tender or vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's no fun when people leave your class. It's not necessarily what you would pick or say. What would be awesome is if everybody here hates it. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, because if you're survival dependent and other people approving you and liking you and enjoying your class and all of those things, then of course we'll take it personally if somebody leaves. You know, if that's what we believe, then that's, what we feel um but the fundamental belief that uh our worth or survival is dependent on other people liking us is the false part that's the confusion part 
so because the ego really believes that that's what it will say that's what it will try to do um and i think that's where we could say that it's confused because it's not true sometimes we identify with it so much that it feels like it's true that we need other people to really like us <laughs> yeah i think it's such a awesome territory you're um marching into angela that presenting something that's not necessarily the the popular way the the trendy way that the people are superficially drawn to but like what's actually been powerful and helpful to you and presenting it with this um openness of like you might not like this but i'm going to invite you to give it a try and i also heard heard that um many people who practice kundalini used to be like really it's designed to trigger you and and how they just had the worst experience for the first year or something like that and then they eventually got so into it and who knows this could be one of those classes that those people who walked out was like the first encounter and like years later they might look back to that class and say like i could just laugh that i i just left that class after one minute of that exercise <laughs> you know i'm thinking of um Dr. Hugh Len leaving the whole Pono Pono like seminar twice. You know, so it's like what do I know? They got exactly what they could handle and we had done three things before that. But it's just, you know, yeah, it's very helpful. I'm excited to get to the point where I do trust everything. <laughs> and it doesn't feel personal. Yeah. Uh, and uh and i see my reflection or i see something helpful in that instead of i see something wrong but i told a friend you know my friend who teaches i go okay it happened this is a rite of passage this is important that it's happened to me in vinyasa class you know you don't know why it's like it's too hot you she doesn't like me or she doesn't feel good or whatever happened she got a call she forgot she's supposed to be somewhere who knows but it's kind of a rite of passage when someone just up and leaves your class you're like okay <laughs> you know that means i'm doing something here because i am they're taking it or leaving it so that means i'm offering something <laughs> yeah and this week i've been noticing how i'm um i'm reading so much into my teachers behaviors in class like like um <laughs> yesterday i felt myself like feeling really needy that like i wanted the teacher to come and give me a hands-on assist right she's like giving everybody around me assist but she's not touching me i'm like what's wrong like why is she not touching me like <laughs> and the thoughts just went to all kinds of places of like to explain why that is that she's not assisting me right <laughs> and i was like oh i'm feeling so needy like as i'm in like down facing dog like why am i feeling so needy <laughs> i'm like oh i know you think that getting the assist from the teacher means that she loves you and that's what you're craving i understand you know <laughs> but it's it's really uh funny what the um what the ego tries to do to like make sense of the situation 
you know, and extract information for its survival and uh... <laughs> yeah, and then like I, I had the whole dialogue about okay, so should I like ask for her for assist? Just say what I want, or is it like do I actually want her to give me an assist if she doesn't want to assist me? Like I don't know, just like went into this like really one of those conversations that really go nowhere, you know, like in your head, like, what if you did this? But then what if that? And it's like, it's just not designed to go anywhere. It's just keeping you in the loop. Um, so I finally just gave it up, gave it up and just said, I'm willing to give myself the love and support that it's craving right now. Um, and then out of nowhere, I felt the, the hands of my teacher on my back. <laughs> So, like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a much better way to be to to remind myself that, or at least open myself to the possibility that every little thing is happening for my good. Even if I don't like it, even if I can't see why, I'm willing to see that it's for my good. I've heard Carla say everything, everything is for our good so many times that no, not in an, I don't mean that a negative comment, but I actually hear her voice in my head sometimes. And I think that's a really positive thing. I can hear her saying, this is for your good. Everything's for your good. Like, you know, even if I had a full blown tantrum, I think I could hear Carla's voice saying, this is for your good too. <laughs> I could just hear her. So that repetition that she does, I have found, uh, really helpful. I'm not saying she's repetitive, but I've heard her as a, a repetition that's been extremely helpful for me. If you're, if you ever listen to this, Carla. Yeah. We miss you, Carla. She also says everything is helpful too, right? Like it's so helpful. The one time that Linda, you said every stinking thing is helpful. And I actually made Carla a sweatshirt that says that. <laughs> she has a sweatshirt that says every stinking thing is helpful. Because I noticed she likes wearing sweatshirts. And I got this inspired idea like, but it was the week where stinking was inserted because of you. <laughs> and then that's what ended up on the sweatshirt. Awesome. Yeah, it's totally a Carla bumper sticker. Like we could just start selling them or whatever. Yeah. But you can't have her inflection. Like you need her inflection. It's so crucial. You need the voice. You <laughs> absolutely need her voice. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Oh, we can make a Carla doll that has like a yeah. button on it. And you can press on it and I'll say everything is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> This is a whole merchandise. <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> I'm nose to the uh, Carla. <laughs> get like, yeah, she could make money off every sale, huh? 
and she thought it was just her cards that she was going to. I know. <laughs> Here we got a couple of dolls. You pull a string. It says every stinking thing is helpful. <laughs> it's good to hear a helpful voice in my mind as opposed to, um, I was uh, reading um, Corinne Zuko's book and she talks about that capricious, capriciousness. I can hardly even say that word. It's such a long word. And I think that's course terminology. Is that correct, Linda? The course describes the ego as capricious. Yeah, so she was talking about the capriciousness of the ego. But anyway, like for me, when I hear Carla's voice in my head, it's helpful. And right away, I recognize that voice is helping me as opposed to that paranoia that I know is not helping me. Not that I'm paranoid, but I, it's just my ego thoughts can take on a paranoia at times. <clears throat> I was just looking up the meaning of the word capricious. And Webster's Dictionary says abnormality, abnormally, foible, freakishness, idiocracy, oddity. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes my ego is more like a confused kid but sometimes I don't know sometimes I picture my ego looking like and I don't even know exactly where I got this image of like it probably came from the Wizard of Oz so this like this little boy wearing a hat uh, with a cigar in his mouth <laughs> and like knickers and he's like taunting you. <laughs> he's just a sneaky little bastard. <laughs> so sometimes he's confused and sometimes he's just a sneaky little bastard. <laughs> yeah. And even that is helpful. Right, Carla? <laughs> Well, I think we've covered some things. <laughs> and thank you all for coming and showing up and just publicly thank Jennifer for this community just because it's just wonderful. And we are, I'm pretty sure I take it for granted. I'm pretty sure uh, because it's my norm. So um, I think the conclusion we reached that is that Carla helps us be enlightened. <laughs> Yay! Carla is the key. Excellent. Yay! I'm her study buddy. I can't wait to tell her tonight. Yeah. She's so adorable. I'll tell her she has to listen. I, <laughs> she's going to have that shy, sweet smile like... <sighs> <laughs> so wonderful.
Well, who would like to pray us out? Thank you again for being here. I'll pray. Thank you. Let me see if I can channel Carla. I don't know. I don't think I can channel Carla. I'm going to pray to Carla too. <laughs> okay. I was so happy to place our hand on our heart and feel that warmth right in the heart space, in the center of our being. As we take this breath together in so much gratitude for this community, this sacred circle, this safe, such lovely place where we could share from the heart every week. Thank you, Angela, for facilitating. We send our love to our dear Carla for inspiring us, for being that loving voice in our head, reminding us that all things are for our good, that all things, every stinking thing is helpful to us. Thank you, Carla. We're so happy to hmm, allow ourselves to open, open up to the possibility that we already are enlightened, that every moment is waiting for our blessing, for us to tune in, for us to be present, for us to choose love, for us to join with one another. And we are willing. And we're so grateful for our own willingness to say yes to our healing, yes to our awakening, yes to our enlightenment. And with so much gratitude, we share the benefits of all that we do, everything we say, everything that we hear, see, feel, know, with all because we are one and with great gratitude we allow ourselves to accept it and so it is amen amen beautiful amen thank you, thank you. that was a joyful goodbye thank you. thanks thank everyone you. thank you bye, bye linda bye green bye bye bye, bye. bye carla <laughs>